This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The brain. It's been said that after a second glass of wine, everyone is a poet. In this edition, we're joined by internationally renowned author, speaker, and consultant Michael J. Gelb, who applies the principles and practices described in his best-selling books to help you solve the most important business challenges in your business. Michael's the author of How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, Da Vinci Decoded, Innovate Like Edison, and Discover Your Genius, among many others. He's just finishing up a national book signing tour, toasting his latest release, Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking. Uncork your creative juices. And he joins us on the line live from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Michael, welcome back. Thank you very much. Let me start with a quote from Gary Vaynerchuk. He's the author and host of Wine Library TV. He says, this book is an essential addition to your wine library. Michael's unique right brain approach makes wine appreciation easy and fun. This book offers exceptional insights into the creative process and a truly delightful way to bring people together. It will bring thunder to your world. How terrific. Well, congratulations on the new book. Thank you so much. I actually just uh, was in New Jersey a few days ago where we held the world's largest and smartest wine book signing with Gary Vaynerchuk and my good friends Karen Page and Andrew Dornenberg, who wrote the foreword to my book and just won their second James Beard Award. Oh, how fabulous. Sounds like a lot of fun, too. Among other things, the book is absolutely a whole-brain approach to wine appreciation. What did you want to help people with in terms of the way they tend to think about, appreciate, and drink wines? Well, most books about wine and most seminars and courses about wine are surprisingly left-brain biased. In other words, they're rather serious. They focus on the analysis of wines, learning all about the way they're made and the regions they come from and so on. And, and, and that's really interesting. I, I'm fascinated by that, and I've read pretty much all of those books. Uh, but uh, the problem is that the biggest block to adult learning is the fear of embarrassment, the fear of making mistakes. And lots of folks go to a wine tasting and feel kind of intimidated and a little bit, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of pretension floating around and <laughs> one-upsmanship and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I wanted to completely obliterate all that and give people a way of enjoying the pure essence of wine in a fashion that was pioneered by the ancient Greeks in the original symposium where Plato and Socrates got together to share wine and gave birth to Western philosophy. Uh, the 
Renaissance geniuses all met at the Medici Palazzo to share wine, and they created this rebirth of the ideals of truth, beauty, and goodness that Socrates and Plato set forth. And then, of course, Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin, George Washington, John Adams, all loved wine, shared fine wine as a catalyst for inspiring their imagination. So I want to help my readers both learn about the world of wine, but in a way that cuts through all the pretension and nonsense and puts them in touch with this fabulous tradition that has inspired the greatest minds of the Western world. Uh, there's a great quote from the British philosopher and mathematician Alfred North Whitehead that sums up the right brain approach to just about anything, but especially in this case to wine. Beautiful. He says, you may learn all about the sun, all about the atmosphere, all about the rotation of the earth, and still miss the radiance of the sunset. So this mm. approach, wine drinking for inspired thinking, is all about helping people experience the pure essence of the joy of wine in a manner that is truly inspiring. You've been studying the world of wine, as I, if I have this right, for quite a while. How did your, your own appreciation for all of this come about? Well, I actually began with my dad, who many, many years ago decided he wanted to impress my mom on a date <laughs> with her. They used to go out uh, for romantic dinners. They still do, actually. Uh, about to celebrate their 60th anniversary. Oh, how nice. And my dad decided yeah. he would try to impress my mom by ordering some wine, and he went wild and ordered the most expensive half bottle of wine <laughs> on the list, which was the 1959 Mouton Rothschild for $9. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, they liked it, and the result was my dad started learning about wine and bringing wines home, and we used to have lots of fun describing them in creative and fun ways. And mm -hmm. Then in the mid-'90s, I'd been, I'd been enjoying wine for years. I'd had my own collection. I'd been advising clients on how to find great values. I'd been holding informal wine tastings for my clients. But yeah. in the mid-'90s, I was co-directing a leadership retreat in Switzerland. And one of the other faculty members just happened to be Ted Hughes, the then Poet Laureate of Great Britain. And Ted taught poetry to these investment bankers, and he did it by getting them to just let their minds go free. He'd give them a theme, and he'd say, think of as many different words as you can. Don't edit or censor. Just write down all the words you can think of when I say a theme. For example, he might say something like wildlife, and then he'd have them write down 30, 40, 50, 60 words that they thought of, and then he'd have them turn those into a poem. Well, I got to go to Ted's poetry class, and in the evenings, he and I shared some great wines, and all of a sudden I said, why not combine wine and poetry? Oh, and there's the intersection. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> and of <laughs> yeah. course, when I said this to the bankers, they said, hey, look, we're bankers, not poets, and I say, after the second glass of wine, everyone's a poet. And sure enough, they started writing wonderful poetry, and my groups of very serious uh, business folks from all over the world all experience this amazing uh, illumination of the understanding when they share wine and poetry together. So I decided I had to write the book about it and 
guide people to do this for themselves. We're visiting with Michael J. Galby, the author of Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking, Uncork Your Creative Juices, that website, michaelgelb.com. Michael, is there a difference between what wine drinking does as compared to other forms of alcohol when it comes to um, the, uh, the this wondrous thing that seems to happen to the imagination? Yes. <laughs> Because uh, people said to me, well, why can't you just knock back some vodka? Doesn't that give you the same? For centuries, for millennia actually, yeah. wine has been considered the beverage of moderation because it tends to have more complexity, more nuance, and it tends to go better with food. It mm. stimulates your digestion. It's good for your health. And it invites you to slow down and savor the aromas, the color, the way it interacts with the meal, the, there's a gentleness and an ease to, to fine wine. You know, and, I, and I always suggest to my clients that they invest in finer wine because what I explain is that below a certain qualitative level, you don't get poetry, you just get limericks. So, ah, love it. <laughs> so we're talking about fine wine, but uh, the other thing is that actually you know, some people don't drink, but they can still benefit from this approach. I've had people do comparative appreciation of Chinese teas, of fine chocolates. So the real idea is to bring mindfulness to the beauty and joy of life. And wine does indeed hold a special uh, catalytic quality when it comes to inspiration. One of the things I love about uh the book and I worked with you on the audio was it in many ways it validates anyone's ability to creatively express themselves about their experience of wine whether they're an expert or a novice that's the uncorking piece as you'd say um, you've been speaking about creativity and innovation on an international scale for many years do, do professionals you talked about the bankers do we just simply need permission to be creative well you know here's how I express it that in Italy, they have a better understanding of this. They call it la dolce vita, the sweet, soulful life. Yeah. And in France, they're, they're, they're ahead of us, too. It's joie de vivre, the joy of living. But in the States, unfortunately, we only at this point have happy hour, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I had to make this up, because, yes, we need help. Oh, boy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I'm. I mean, you know, I'm not qualified to really conduct an interview about wines per se. Maybe somewhat about creativity, but if you would give us a sense of how the book is structured, there's 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 some sections that maybe uh, would uh, in, be inviting for us to know about. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the great thing is that the latter part of the book actually guides you step by step to do this contemporary version of the ancient Greek symposium with your friends or your colleagues at work and that uh, people you can use it as an actual manual to hold one of these wine and poetry events and have a fantastic time but people also want to know really practical things like how do you match food and wine and what are the best values in wine so I have about three or four pages of the greatest wines under $20. I have a whole section on how people can find great wine values because it, it's, it's wonderful to be inspired, but you want to do it for a reasonable investment. And there's so many great wines, more today than ever before, at really good prices. So I have a very practical, down-to-earth 
a series of chapters on how to find values. And then I want to guide my readers through all the uh, intricacies of the world of wine etiquette so that you will never feel intimidated again. Uh, there's a great quote from the Roman poet Horace. Believe it or not, this is from the first century B.C. And Horace writes, Shalt then be thine, that nectar rare, which brightens hope and drowns dull care. Come taste my wine, but ere thou try it, remember, friend, that thou must buy it. (laughs) Which is why I got to tell you, Robert Parker, who is uh, probably not just the greatest wine critic in the world, but the most powerful critic of any kind, because he's a a market mover. When he says that a wine is highly recommended, the price doubles and it sells out. And I sent a copy of the manuscript to Robert Parker, and here's what he wrote. He said, Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking is one of the most practical and useful books about a consumer's experience in dealing with the subject of wine that I have ever read. There's an enormous amount of terrific and, more importantly, reliable and useful information in this book, highly recommended. Thank you, Bob Parker. Bob Parker, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) How cool. Now, it's intuitively obvious, I guess, that uh, the experience of wine is a social one. Uh, We think of it that way in most cases. But the book, in the book, you give us some cool ideas about how to take this experience, kind of make it alive uh, in various different social ways and sort of get creative with the social part of drinking and appreciating wine. Give us an example, if you would, of, you know, a couple of them that you like. Well, that's, that's, that's the real power of this whole approach is it's one thing to learn to enjoy wine by yourself. And I actually give my readers some guidance on how to order wine when you're just by yourself, how to find great wines by the glass, half bottles. Did you know you, if you're in a restaurant by yourself, you can actually ask the manager if they'll open up a full bottle for you and just and, – and, serve you half of it and just charge you for half of it. it, it oh, really? About, yeah, it works, uh, works about one out of every four times you try it. Right, <laughs> but, but why, also, why not try? Yeah. Right, you'll also find sometimes that if you ask the manager uh, or the sommelier about, uh, uh, do you have anything by the glass that isn't on the wine list, they'll say, oh, yeah, we have something really great, and it's because someone else did the suggestion I just gave you. In other words, they sold a half bottle of someone else, and now they have another half bottle available. And sometimes it happens because somebody sends back a wine that's actually really fine, and then they sell it off by the glass, and there's something that's great available by the glass that isn't on the list. I love that. So, so wine, learning to enjoy wine solo when you're traveling, if you're a road warrior like I am, uh, it's important. But the real fun comes, of course, in sharing. And in the book, there's all sorts of fun themes for, for creating inspired thinking and drinking wine parties, one of the simplest ones I get people to do is to have everybody uh, invite your friends, tell them to choose their favorite wine, say, you know, under 20 bucks, and you can use the list in the book, Uh, and then find a piece of music that you think goes with the wine, and then you have a little party, and everybody shares the music and explains why it is expressive of the wine, and everybody shares the wine, of course. Oh, that's great. And it's so much fun and so simple. And, I mean, the book is just filled with that kind of practical, uh, inspired thinking, uh, uh, wine drinking idea. <laughs> <laughs> to coin a phrase and a title. Right. But, 
Michael, unbelievable. Uh, again, congratulations on all of this. And the, the, the work you do just continues to inspire me and I'm sure our listeners. Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking is the book. Uncork Your Creative Juices. It's available on Amazon, audible.com, and in bookstores everywhere. Website, www.michaelgelb.com. Michael, always a delight to have you on the Small Biz Brain. Thanks so much. Thank you. Small Biz America. The Brain. Online at smallbizamerica.com. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.